since we've been going through this series on the attributes of God, the first one we talked about was holiness. God is holy. He separated himself out. And he's called us to live a separate life. And we're singing that song today about worship. Worship, the difference between praise and worship is worship is an act and praise is a word that's spoken. And coming back to a place of worship where it's all about you, God, is us separating ourselves out and setting our life aside and saying that everything that I do in my life is going to be about you, Lord. The second attribute that we talked about was creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. He's created everything in this universe, which led us right into he is a healer. Because if he can create it from scratch, he can fix it when it breaks. And like we sang that song this morning, it's a miracle in the house. Just butchered that, but that's okay. You can bring all of your problems to God as our healer, and he will take care of them. But all of these attributes fall under a bigger umbrella. And I want to go to Psalms 23. I've been trying to decide how long do I continue down the road of talking about the attributes of God. Because there's a lot of great things we can say about Him. And I've made the joke that preaching's easy because you just start talking about God and He shows up. One of the attributes I just forgot to mention was that he's our banner and our defender and that he fights by us and he protects us. But as we go to Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that want is a need, not like a desire. The Lord is our shepherd, our caretaker, our keeper, our provider, protector. And because of that, we have no needs. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into this place today. God, we thank you for the way that the Spirit has flowed through this time of worship. And God, as we go into this time of the word, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint my mind. God, that these are not my words that come forward, God, but I want to bring your word to these people. God, I pray that each and every person within the hearing of my words and even further, God, that their hearts and their minds would be open and hungry to you. God, that what I have to say, God, would minister unto a very specific need and a very specific point in their life. That they would walk away from this message being changed not just for an afternoon, not just for a week, but for a lifetime. Because you are our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First John 4.19 says, We love him because he first 
loved us. There's a relationship there. God demonstrates his love towards us, and we reciprocate that back to him. A shepherd provides, protects, and cares for. You see in verse 2 of Psalms 23, it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What we know about David is that he was a shepherd himself. And he spent much time out in the wilderness with his sheep, writing songs and worship to God because he didn't have an iPhone to play games on. <laughs> and so he had, to, he had to occupy his mind with something. But David was a shepherd. And so in writing Psalms 23, he was likening his role as a shepherd unto God's role as a shepherd in his life. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The green pastures is a lot of provision. Nobody likes eating brown grass. I don't like eating brown grass. I don't even like eating green grass. But the sheep like the green grass. And so one of the roles that we see here is the shepherd is that he provides for and he takes care of his sheep. In the same way that God takes care of and provides for his people. In another one of the Psalms, David says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God takes care of the righteous. In his children, he provides for them. Verse 3 says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When we're in a place of brokenness, he heals us. He takes care of us. I think about, I think about you know, when, when a sheep hurts themselves, you, you would have to, you would care for that wound. You would help bandage that wound up to protect them from, from getting infection or to protect them from hurting themselves more. Part of the shepherd's role is to look forward and to see where the sheep are going and what they're doing and to have a bigger understanding of the big picture. But sometimes a shepherd also shears their sheep. They cut some stuff off. In Matthew 6, 24 through, through 24 through 34, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more? than Raymond. So he's saying, isn't life more just about than what you eat and what you're going to wear? Don't worry about those things because God takes care of you. You look down to verse 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? In verse 31, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So he's walking them through this and telling them to put their faith in God and to pursue the things of God with their whole heart, with their whole soul, and their whole mind. And then verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That was the very first verse I ever learned. I was six years old, and I thought it was seek ye. And I didn't know what the word seek ye meant. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But when you seek first the kingdom of God, and you're seeking first to get a better understanding of who God is, all these things in his righteousness, all of these things shall be added unto you. When you take your life and you fully devote it to worship to God, to set yourself apart, to live a life that's a little bit different, yeah, the Gentiles are going to think you're a little strange. He's talking to these people and he's saying, you know, that's what the Gentiles do. Those are the people that hadn't gotten into the church, let's say. The people in the world are going to call you crazy for putting faith in God. But I've never seen an apostolic that didn't know how to smile. Yeah. They think we're crazy. We live some deprived life and that we don't get to do this and we don't get to do that. No, we're not addicted to this and we're not addicted to that because we make different choices. Yeah. And when you seek God first and there's nothing more important in your life than God and every decision you make is set on how does this affect my relationship with God. Yeah. When every decision you make is driven by how or what does God think of me when I do this. It leads to a fulfillment of having your needs met. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have its own problems. And today you have enough problems for one day. That's what he's saying. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, there's a lot of other scripture that talks about planning for the future. You need to make good decisions about the future. But don't stress about the future. Don't stress about the things you can't control. We can take our problems and give them to God because he sees the big picture. When your little sheep is eating all of his grass, he goes, where am I going to eat now? Your good shepherd leads you to a field, or leads you to a, where is it there? Green pastures. The good shepherd leads you to the green pastures. But sometimes he has to, he has to shave off some of that excess wool, some of the excess things in our life. 
some of those things, your wool on a sheep just naturally grows. But when I was doing some study on this, I found out that too much wool will keep a sheep from functioning at peak <clears throat> performance. It'll function, it'll, it'll inhibit their mobility and they won't be able to walk. When we have too much stuff building up in our life and it grows organically, we start doing things, it's part of our process, and all of a sudden the works start, start blocking us up and we can't function efficiently. We have to take a step back and let God shear us. We have to let the good shepherd cut some stuff out of our life. It's not necessarily wrong and it's not necessarily sin. But when God speaks to your heart or gives you just a little nudge and says, you know what, we're not going to do that anymore. You know what, we're going to make a little course correction. Why don't you just devote yourself to me a little bit more? You may not have all the scripture for it or, or find some black and white that says, we're not doing this, we're not doing that anymore, we're not going here, we're not going there. But you can just follow the still small voice in your heart of God talking to you and saying, we're not going to do this any longer. Too much wool can cover the sheep's eyes and impede their visibility so they can't see. When we allow too many things into our life, it can keep us from having a vision of what we need to do and where we need to be. Something else that I found interesting is, is that as that wool grows, it starts to attract pests, flies, and maggots. You don't want pests, flies, and maggots in your spiritual life. And so as a spiritual sheep, as stuff starts and the works start building up and you start getting preoccupied, you have to bring it back to the heart of worship. Why are we really here? John 10, 11 through 14 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. In verse 4 of Psalms 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When we go through trials and tribulations, we have to stand strong and understand that we're aligned with God. And if you're not aligned with God, it's a good time to make a chorus correction. Amen. One of, uh, one of my previous pastors, he would always say, he would always say, when you're going through the valley, you don't stop. He said, it seems like people at the lowest point of their life, they give up on church. He said, but when you're going through the lowest point of your life, you don't stop. Keep moving. <laughs> thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, or Jesus, and says in the New Testament, I am the good shepherd.
But this passage we read in John 10, 11 through 14, we're going to go through it again. It says, The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. When, da- when David saw Goliath and decided that he was going to knock that giant down, we see this, this little 15-year-old, and I don't know if he was just a little cocky or a little confident and had some faith, but when he saw that giant, there was a part of him that knew that he could destroy that giant. And when he went to Saul, Saul said, you're too little, you can't do it, and started talking down to him. He had a calling and a decision and a commitment to God on his life. When somebody was, was, was taking his Lord's name in vain, and he took a stand, and his, his peers, if you can call the king, King Saul and his peers, said, no, you can't do that. You're not going to do that. You'll never succeed. But David whips out two stories. There was a bear that came at my flock. And David, as a shepherd, didn't turn and run away and say, come on, sheep, let's go. He fought that bear. He was willing to sacrifice his life for his sheep. A lion came and he tore that lion apart limb from limb. And he maybe in that moment wondered, God, why would you let a bear? And he was 15 years old when he met Goliath and he had already fought a lion and a bear. So he was younger than 15 when he fought this lion and this bear. He may have in that moment thought to himself, God, why did you let a lion come at me? God, why did I have to fight this lion? God, why do I have to fight a bear? I'm less than 15 years old. But it built his confidence. When King Saul said, you can't take out that giant, David said, you ain't seen nothing yet. It built his confidence and it prepared him for that battle. He was willing to die for his sheep. And my good shepherd died for his sheep. Let's all stand. Jesus went to the cross to pay a price he didn't owe for a people who could never pay that price. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are my good shepherd. God, I thank you that you are my provider and my protector and my healer. God, as much as we try to to symbolize who you are with a word like shepherd, and as much as you can look at the correlation between the way that a shepherd cares for his sheep, and the way that you care for your people. It falls short of truly describing who you are. God, I've tried over the past couple weeks to find the right words, the right adjectives to describe who you are and what you do. But God, I could go for all of eternity and I would never cover every aspect of who you are and what you do. And God, we thank you this morning. God, we thank you this morning for who you are.
God, we don't just worship you when life's going good. We don't just worship you when you're doing the things we want you to do and you're taking care of us. But God, we recognize that you are our good shepherd. And that just because we don't see what you're doing, that you're still doing it. Just because we don't feel it, you're still moving. God, we choose to love you because of who you are, not just because of what you do for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shokoro sokoro shokoro sokoro.